Set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Yeah. Early in the morning, rising to the street. Light me up that cigarette. I'll strap shoes on my feet. Got to find the reason. This is the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast. It's November 15th. This is Java Suds. I'm here with Java Joe, the spy. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, lags. Good to be back. Feeling good. Licking some wounds from last night's game, but feeling good. Java Joe, you were in attendance. Tell me about the vibe. I want to hear about your outing last night. What what did you do before the game? How was the atmosphere, and uh, what what were your thoughts? Yeah, we got out of town late afternoon, got in a champagne about 4 o'clock, checked in the hotel, then then went over to Hamilton Walker's. Shout out to the bartender and the crew there. Where is that, Joe? It's in downtown Champaign. By, uh, was that there when we were in school? I, I don't know if I ever went there. No, it wasn't. It, it's right by one of the – it's right by Guido's. <laughs> make, I thought yeah, you were going to go to we didn't make it to the nice restaurants very often. We went to Biagi's, and that's about it. Uh, and we uh, sat at the bar and had a couple Manhattans. Everyone was drinking a little bourbon, a little little red, some bone-in steaks, some mac and cheese, some asparagus. Mm. It was it was good. We were all. I was with the problem is I was with three Marquette fans <laughs> and me. Oh, Bill. <laughs> It sounds like your future meal at Elmo's I know. in about three weeks' time, Joe. But it was it was great. Then we went to the the game. That the stadium was was packed, sold out, and there there's a buzz. People were pumped about the game. I hadn't been I hadn't been to the stadium since they did the renovation. I think we'd been there maybe one time, but I got there early. Didn't we go to the? Yeah, yeah. I got there early enough. I thought we went to, to the Northwestern game. We did, yeah. Like in, tw- but it was right before. I don't know if that was post renovations or not, though. That was like right before COVID hit. I think that was January of twenty. If memory serves me, I went right. down for a game last season against Michigan because I love seeing us beat Hunter. <laughs> but I thought overall the game. So we the, were feeling good. Yeah, the people, the crowd. It was a good crowd. Um, you know, I, I I do wish we had more. I mean, the Orange Crush is good, but there's just I just wish we had more students at the game than than old you know old Central Southern Illinois people. Not not I love Illinois fans. If you're or at the game and you're older and you're listening to this, great, appreciate um, you as a listener. But it's just kids, you know, the the games, college basketball games that that we watch that are intense typically have more more college kids than just the Orange Crush, but. Regardless, it was a great game, up and down. I would say I was I was really happy with Illinois overall until about ten minutes left, and then uh, not having a point guard, and then going up against the best point guard in the country uh, did us in. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, Bills. I, I think it was the the Colex show last night. There's a lot to be made of his ankle injury before the game. It was brought up many times on the telecast. I'm starting to wonder if he actually had an ankle injury because it, <laughs> it definitely didn't show. What do you think, Shapops? Yeah, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but uh, <laughs> it seemed a little. We're not. We're not for iffy. conspiracy theories here on the on the Java Pod. Yeah, it was kind of sarcastic because we love conspiracy theories on here. So yeah, I can get down with that. It I I think it's also kind of your anger towards Jason Benetti is also kind of uh you know altering your perception <laughs> of watching that game. Oh man, was, you had to bring what that. What was up, he Jeff. saying? What was he saying that was aggravating everybody? Well, Joe, you know what happened. You know Benetti is the White Sox, he's the play-by-play has been for 8 years. And he grew up a White Sox fan and this past week he just announced that he's leaving the White Sox to call games where? Take a guess, Bills. No, on the north where side. Where is he leaving the White Sox? 
No, further north. He went to the north side. <laughs> further north. He's going to in East Detroit. No He's calling way. games for the Tigers. Lifelong White Sox fan, up and coming. He basically said the White Sox were his dream job. And comes out now. I, I, you know, I, that's a whole other podcast. If you want to you <laughs> hear some White Sox therapy, join me during the baseball season. But, you know, then I had to get my brains beaten in by Benetti for two hours listening <laughs> to him talk about Marquette. Yeah, the uh, Illini Twitter <laughs> was was not too happy with the broadcast because they were they were pretty much sucking off Kolek and Marquette for the entirety of the game. Like any time he made a pass, they would just <laughs> kind of melt. So Yeah. Which is understandable because Kolek is awesome. So I don't really blame them for doing that, but <laughs> The Illini Twitter base was was up in arms about it. Having Kolek reminds me of if Andre Corbello would have never gotten a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> That's like what we thought Andre Corbello there was were flash- be. Without the turnovers? Yeah, I mean, yeah, without the I mean, Yeah, a little true. more steady it, play. Yeah. It's true, though. I mean, that's what we thought Curbelo would be as a senior. I mean, I'm just thinking right? about the broad, like when when Curbelo was playing awesome, the whatever seven to ten games that that year, he that's all they could talk about was when he was in the game because he was he was yeah. It's just so obvious how flashy he was and how good he was when he was playing well. Um, and that's I imagine that's what people are and even like watching in in person. Like Kolek's just like every time he went out of the game, Illinois would like make a little comeback, and then he would only be out for two yeah. two minutes, and then he I think he sat out what twice for two minutes, and we made like a little comeback, and he just it's like he's going. I was like guys, I was kept yelling. I think I was annoying the family behind me, and I was like he's going left every time. <laughs> he's going left. I just kept yelling. He's going left, and he would go left, yeah. and he would score on us every time. Like I, I we couldn't. It stop doesn't. It. it doesn't make any sense. Why we couldn't stop it. On the other side of the court, too, I thought Marquette did an awesome job of taking away TSJ's left. I don't know if you guys... They were playing some... I don't know. They were playing man, but then almost like a matchup zone, some of the possessions, it seemed like. they, they Matchup 32 zone, yeah. Yeah, it, it was really hard for us to get any penetration. It. I don't know. Do, do we want to dig in on, on Brad there? What, what was the offensive game plan? coming into the game there's not an offensive game plan coming into any game we we've known that for years now so i don't know why people get so mad about it because it's just the same thing over and over you you just have to accept the fact that if we don't make three pointers we have no chance of winning you know against a good opponent so we know that, yeah, we know that there's no game plan. There's no scheme at all. It's completely dependent on Taryn Shannon making shots, getting to the free throw line. And we did a pretty good job of doing that. Shannon wasn't getting uh, to the free throw line very much, but he was knocking down shots and and he was carrying the burden as he usually does. He did get some help from Luke Goody, which was great to see because... We know that he's a very valuable role piece if he's knocking down his threes. I thought this was kind of Damask coming out party a little bit too as the secondary scorer to Shannon because the big question yep. is is who is going to help with that burden off of Shannon. I think it's Damask because he can just score in a variety of ways. I'd like him to be a little more aggressive. I'd like for them to to run some plays for him, clear out, you know, one side for him where he can back down, you know, a small, a smaller defender. So I think he's, he's going to have to be more aggressive in this offense that again, doesn't have an actual scheme or a game plan when we're actually, when we're moving without the ball, the offense looks okay, but for just too many possessions, they, they get stagnant. They stand around Nobody moves, and then all of a sudden the shot clock's winding down, and you got Coleman Hawkins taking a fadeaway, you know, 22-footer. And that's just, it's unacceptable, but that's that's just the way it is with Brad. There's never going to be an offensive scheme, 
I mean, he even kind of says that in his press conferences. He's like, yeah, I don't <laughs> like he, he basically asks the question of like, yeah, we just we have to be better on offense. Like, I don't know where that's going to come from. It's like, well, that's that's kind of your job is to figure that out. But it's kind of, it's it's the same thing over and over. So we just have to accept the fact that it, it comes down to just making threes and it actually worked for the most part because we hung around with them throughout the entirety of the game. And there was really one big sequence when there was, I think, about six minutes left to go. The uh, Goody, Goody missed a, uh, a wide open three that would have tied the game. He made a three right before that, but this was a wide open three also that would have tied it. But we got the rebound, and then Shannon missed a really easy layup after we got the rebound. Was that when he was too hard on the layup? Yeah, he kind of like yeah, he yeah. kind of was expecting contact. He was like going fast. Yeah, he yeah. was expecting yeah. contact, I think, and and it it didn't come, so it just yeah he he put it too hard off of the glass. So then they come down and score on the other end. So it's instead of us being down one or tied suddenly it's a five-point game we come down the other way ty rogers misses a little bunny in the lane we get a stop but then shannon throws it into the stands if you remember that oh, one. that was so that was god what was that that was so unforced too it wasn't even like they were on that not even on a fast break or anything. He just like, no. We didn't have numbers or anything. It. He just tried to like make a skip pass and and launched it. Then Cam that Jones hurt. comes down, gets a bucket, and the foul yeah. on Dane. If you remember that, yeah, he got the and yeah. one. So just like that, we're down seven points with four minutes left. When it could have been a you know a tie game or a one point game. It and that was that was the end of the game pretty much. Right. You know, like at that point, it was yeah. just too much to overcome. We still battled back. We were still in it until the end, but it was just too big of a hole to to dig ourselves out of at that point. Joe, you, you talked about this a little bit texting at the game. Turnovers. Yeah, it... I think TSJ five, Hawkins five. I think we had double the amount of turnovers. If you looked at points off turnovers, I think that that's pretty much the difference in the game. Yeah, that, it's it's a huge issue. The um, the problem is there, there's a couple problems. We have to have like I'm I'm actually the more I'm thinking about this, I'm I'm fairly encouraged by the certain aspects of the team, right? Like if we're gonna if we're gonna win the Big Ten. Or at least challenge for the Big Ten and and get to the second weekend. Uh, Damask Damask has to be our point guard, and he has to he has to get better at that role. And then Goody yeah. Goody has to be a knockdown shooter coming in. And like those are two huge bright spots. And like our three point shooting percentage just gets that much better. Gary Air I, I think is a capable. He didn't make any today, but he can make threes. They just got like the the freshman. The Hansberry and Gibbs Lawhorn just took some really bad shots, and like that's just what you get when you play when you have to play freshman. Um, the problem is when Terrence Shannon just for whatever reason tends to get really sped up. I think what Marquette Marquette did a good job; they had a good game plan. They didn't press Illinois, but they they picked them up like almost full court, and they just made it very hard for Illinois to get get in get into anything. So by the time they got into any offense, it was probably what halfway through the shot clock and yep hawkins just isn't he hasn't developed good and part of this is the offense right part of it's not having a point a true point guard but hawkins just he can't he's handling the ball too much so this is what happened last year and this is why he had like four five six turnovers every game last year and then when he turns the ball over he gets, you know, the coaches are like, stop, you know, stop doing that or stop dribbling into people. And then he gets all aggravated and then he doesn't play well. And it's like, he, they need, he, I thought he played pretty well defensively. Um, he could have been better in some areas. But overall, I thought, you know, the fact that we kept them to around 70 points for a really good offensive team, granted, they missed some open threes for sure. 
Um, but Hawk, yeah. and, and for every reason, TSJ just like gets too. I don't know why he's getting so sped up. He's a, he's like a fifth or sixth year. And it's like, yeah, between the two of those guys and the turnovers killed us. But I, I still think like there's just most of the guys on the team know their know their role and know what shots to take. And there were just a couple couple bad shots by the freshmen. Um, and then I think a couple guys that usually make some shots like Gary or Rogers and even Shannon, they miss some layups that they usually make. And it's a com- totally different game. Like it, it's a different game in the sense that instead of being tied with 10 minutes left, maybe, maybe we're up a bucket or two, right. Or maybe a bucket yeah. two or three. And then you got to know a team like Marquette's going to be better than us the last five minutes. So that's where we have to, like if if we're going to be a great team, we have to just be unbelievable defensively, keep every team under seventy points, and then we just have to figure out a way to get some offense going late in the game. Because I think, frankly, Domask and Shannon might have worn down because I think they missed. Yeah, all they were their, tired. They were. Ta- they, I think at the end of the game, the right guys were taking that shots at the end of the game. They were just they they were just tired. I think. Um, and yeah, they were gassed. Understandable, right? I, I just it's 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 frustrating, but it's like when when Hawkins or Shannon play really bad, one or, one of the two play really bad, it's gonna be really hard for us to beat a top ten team. Yeah, yeah. Hawkins is a head case, in my opinion. It's it's such a roller coaster watching him play. I honestly think if he played just halfway decent in the first half of that game. We're, we we might win. Right. Like, he was so bad in the first half of the game that, you know, Brad pulled him out. That You know, you see him pouting on the bench. He complains to the refs. It's like his whole attitude changes if things aren't going his way. And then when things are going his way, he, he plays really well because he's... He, it's like his mindset is completely different. He's a head case. Yeah. And, it was pre- you know, go, going yeah. two for nine for him shooting the ball is is unacceptable yeah his defense was all right we the game plan was kind of interesting because it was clear that we didn't want to help on the on the drives on the and so they ended up just getting so many easy layups yeah we we seemed dedicated to like not letting them shoot threes which that was a success but they got just so many easy looks where all of our looks were were so difficult on offense they had just nothing but layups and and Hawkins like he doesn't seem quick enough to stay in front of good guards you know when he gets switched onto them in those pick and rolls and then they kept isolating him uh with their big guy I have no idea how to say his name Oso, what Oso, from Marquette is that his first name (laughs) that's his first name Okay, yeah. Also, Igardaro. Igardaro. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He's good. Can't shoot free throws, yeah. but he's good. I know, yeah. He was really good, and he was taking Hawkins to school. They would just clear out the side, and he would just back Hawkins down. So he's not strong enough to handle big guys in the post, and he's not quick enough to stay in front of guards. So it's he doesn't really block many shots. His timing always seems a little off. He makes himself smaller than he actually—do you guys ever notice that? He always it seems like he makes himself smaller than he actually is when he's when he's defending. So that's really frustrating to watch. I mean, I I thought about this last season, but now I'm I'm pretty confident in saying it out loud that he's he's like my least favorite player of all time at Illinois. Who? <laughs> Coleman Hawkins. Oh. Coleman? <laughs> He, Come on, there's got to be work. There's got to be. But nobody, nobody more. has every year no, had Sky Clark. That, that doesn't <laughs> count, though. Really, like he was here for th- for th- two months. All Hawkins, right, I'm talking, right, and I'm enough. like, yeah. There's been plenty of like kind of role players that just like, oh, why is this guy out here? But Hawkins, I mean, as far as like a guy who's been here multiple years, a starter. The expectations are high every single year, and then he never ever meets them. Every like I, he started getting better at the end of last year, so I was like, okay, maybe he's turning yeah. a corner. But then he comes out he, this year 
again, we hear from Underwood, oh, he's such an elite defender, probably the best in the Big Ten. He's he's not. He's just <laughs> he streaky, is exactly though. what he, he is. He's, he's at very this point. he's streaky. I think I mean it was very obvious to me that in the second half, those ten minutes or whatever it was where we had that stretch and came back, it was because Coleman stepped his game up. He had like three straight, three or four straight plays that were unbelievable. Yeah, and he it was just that not block, and he was enough. he threw the the alley oop to Domask. I think Coleman. I I don't know. I'm hoping he's just getting his feet under him for the season. This happened last year a little bit, and then you said it, Shabs. He came on at the end. We just we need him to not try to do too much and play his game, be good defensively, not turn the ball over. I guess most importantly, right? I mean, Joe, you, you had a couple good points. I, I get we don't have a point guard, but we also at points during the game we have what three fifth years and two seniors on the court or four fifth years like I, I don't care that we don't have a point guard you shouldn't be making the plays that we made last night some of the turn- turnovers were just atrocious and I like not having a point guard on the court is not an excuse for some of the turnovers that were made 100% especially if you're a, a senior that's absurd yeah and I know they, that cost us yeah. the game and I, they they ask Hawkins to do too much on offense yeah. you know like he he has the ball so much and that's just it's not his fault it's really more brad's fault i don't know why hawkins has the ball so much having to dribble yeah. you know back and forth because there's just there's no offense there's no movement at all so he's kind of stuck you know carrying the load sometimes when he's not capable of doing that and then yeah the whole point guard thing is it was the issue at the start of the season that everyone nationally was worried about, and it's it's still the case. We don't have a point guard. Ty Rogers is not good enough ball handler to to handle you know the pressure against a good team. We talked about it last time, Legs, where you can't have Ty in at the end of games because he can't make a free throw. Yeah. Here he was in at the end of the game. And what does he do? He passes up a, a wide open dunk yeah, that, at the basket. Yeah, that was bad. So if he's if he's too scared to, you know, sh- to, sh- to make a layup, then he can't be on the floor. That in addition to the free throw shooting. So it's it's really frustrating to watch. I like Ty. He's he plays hard and he's really good defensively, and he he actually is good finishing when he gets going to the rim he ha- like he's very athletic but he's just like either doesn't have the confidence in himself yet you know hopefully he continues to improve but yeah that was that was some frustrating moments between him and Hawkins I thought really hurt us on the offensive end otherwise I wasn't that upset with the loss I I still think we played a really really good team it's one of the best teams we will play definitely one of the best defenses that we'll play too Shaka's a really good coach he prepares them really well they have an experienced team with an um, all-american point guard so I'm happy that we were able to keep it close and and we were in it the whole way it was a really high level game it's just yeah you know it's just little things in there it would have been nice to have Sincere, by the way. Would have been that, nice to have was, Sincere come what, in and, hold and, that, guard, hold that. and guard Kolek. Hold that thought, Shaps, because we're going to jump in right now. First segment. Captain, and who's walking the plank? Dollar Bills, I'm starting with you. What do you got? Both first or just captain? Well, however you want to do it. All right, I'm going to do... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go captain. I'm gonna go Marcus Damask. Solid game. 18 points, six for 13 from field goal. Uh, three for seven, three point, six rebounds. He didn't have any assists. I'm thinking guys, guys missed shots around him. But I think overall he just like. There's just nobody. A nobody pressure. gets assists yeah. on this team. Yeah, it's a calm. I don't know. There's there were a decent amount of assists actually. Shannon should have had a bunch, but yeah, people just weren't making shots. 
Yeah, I mean, we had we had eight assists. Marquette had seven assists, according to eight to eight to fifteen assisted. Yeah, eight eight to fifteen assist to turnover ratio. Not great there, <laughs> but I digress. Joe, floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's that's pretty. Di- I mean, he he's definitely the captain of the ship. Um, and I would say walking the plank, <clears throat> the entire team uh, for rebounding. <laughs> if if we're not if we're gonna start a small forward at power at point guard, whether it's Damask or Rogers. We need to be out rebounding teams, especially Big East teams that aren't, aren't as tall, aren't as strong as us, by more than two rebounds, yeah. forty to thirty-eight. Like we're not, we're not a good shooting team. Like we're, I still think we're going to be okay if the right guys take the shots, um, and the right guys still like we're still taking way too many threes. Part of that's the, the offense, but one thing, like what are we going to hang our hat on? It should be defense and like. Some of the the squads not going to like this, but defense and rebounding. It's like that's what the team was built around. <laughs> it was built around length. We should be out rebounding teams, top ten teams like Marquette, by at least ten by around ten rebounds. If we were able to do that, we would have won this game. And that, like t- to me, it's as simple as that. And then don't shoot as many threes. But the whole team walked the playing for the rebounding effort. Points in the paint too. Going off that, Joe, that Big Ten team, bigger and stronger. You guys have guesses for what the discrepancy was on points in the paint, Marquette to Illinois? Joe, I know you're looking right now, so I'll have Chaps guess. It was a lot to a little. I mean, I saw I, I saw the Marquette shot chart, and it was, it was just all like blue dots and red dots, you know, around the rim. 44 to 20. I'm shocked we only lost this game by seven, quite frankly. Three I is mean, worth we were more there. Than a two. It's, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, and, and I know, Shaps, you said they had a lot of layups, but Marquette also hit, Cam Jones hit a couple of really tough j- shots down the stretch. He hit that one three. I forgot who was in his face. That was, I mean, that, that could have changed the entire game. I think they were down three. He silenced and he the fired crowd one and- from the wing. He silenced the crowd a couple times too. I think it was it after the Shannon dunk. Yeah, he came down and it hit was, a, like the crowd that was, was the big. loudest. Yeah, that the, was big. The crowd it was, was going huge. nuts. That and was he comes huge. down and just buries a three, and it just goes silent. It was going nuts. Yeah, at that, that point. was. And it was Illinois like literally was ten seconds run. later. Ten seconds later. Yeah, it was massive, and a guy was in his face. I part, uh, we were part of this though is like we want we wanted to defend the three. I'm not as worried about their points in the paint. Like, they made some tough shots. Like, Kolek, he's just so crafty around the hoop. He's got good touch. I'm more disappointed with our only 20. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. with their 44. I agree completely. Yeah. I, I don't think we lost because we gave up 71. I mean, I, I would, if you told me yesterday before the game, we're giving up 71 points, I would say, I'll take it. For sure. To me, I think you got to score more to win that game. Because Marquette. I think Marquette is probably scoring more than 71 in 90% of their games this year, if not more. That might be one of the lowest scoring games they have. And and Kolek was involved in all of it. We'll have to keep an eye on Marquette. They play UCLA, Wisconsin, Texas, and Notre Dame for their next five games. We'll have to keep keep track of how many Yeah, they're, wow. they're going to Maui. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Shaps, who do you got? All right. You want me to go first? Because you know I like to go off the board. All right, let me. right, I'll go first. <laughs> I'm, and I'm going <laughs> to... Oh, man, my captain. I, I got to go Goody, I think. Goody was a guy who I, I thought was going to be the odd man out going into this game. I, I thought that he was going to lose minutes to... I thought Q was going was gonna to get most of the minutes. It turned out that that Q played 21 minutes, Goody played 18. And that was not a share that I expected. And it was because we needed Goody on the court. He was the only one that was uh, consistently hitting big shots in this game. Him and Domask, I would say. I mean, Shannon, Shannon's always there, right? But he, I, I think without 
Goody in this game, it, it could have got a hand, out of hand fast. And I, I'm pretty concerned across the board here of for games that that we're playing teams with a with a good defense. Quite frankly, I don't know how we're going to consistently score, especially with the offense or lack thereof that Brad is running. Because I think Domask and and Goody played probably about as good as they could play last night to support TSJ. And I, I just don't... I, I think they could be good all year, but I don't know if Goody's going to play as good as he did, right, in, in the Big Ten player in future games than he did last night. You could maybe say the same about Domask. I... I Maybe I just haven't seen enough of Domas to know what to expect of him. But after those three guys, who are you relying on? I think Harmon was a huge disappointment. I mean, I, I might as well just jump to my plank right now. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Harmon and the freshman. I mean, it, it's it's easy to choose from here. <laughs> I'm looking at the box score. The freshmen were bad. I, 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 Dre just... I mean, it, we're not playing Eastern anymore. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. Uh, Hansberry looked lost out there. I, it was shocking to see Hansberry get the minutes over Dane. I, I don't know what Brad was thinking there. Not now, maybe game 10. But why are you doing that now against Marquette? That That made no sense to me. Dane only had three minutes. Didn't really do much. I mean, he didn't have enough time. So I, I don't I don't know what what the logic was there and and Harmon played 17 minutes did you did you guys know he played 17 minutes I didn't uh, I was actually shocked that he played that much because I, I didn't notice anything that he did and I thought he was a better scorer I think he's got to be he's got to contribute scoring the basketball or this team's gonna have a hard time my assumption is he plays I don't know this to be true but my assumption is he plays pretty good defense. Harman. He does a lot of little things. He's oh. a, he's a really good rebounder, actually. Like for his size, I imagine he's just a guy that needs to have the ball more in his hands, you know. So he's probably just trying to figure out where he fits in, you know. That's a great. Yeah, point. I mean, That's I don't know. Saving grace is we're still trying to figure out roles and where people fit in for the offense. Yeah, and Marquette has everybody returning from their team last year except for uh, who was who the the one guy that left. He was drafted in the first round. I'm blanking on his name. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a huge advantage for Marquette in game three of the year to play a, a team like Illinois who has, what, two guys returning, basically, who are consistently playing. Shaps, who you got? Captain Plank. All right. My captain this week, I got to go with the legend, John Paddock. <laughs> well played. Well Just played, a historic, Jackson. historic game for Paddock. 500 yards, four touchdowns, basically back-to-back walk-off winners for him. The guy is an absolute legend. Even if he never plays another snap for Illinois, he will he will go down in the history books. They uh, The story came out today that Burt on his radio show made it sound like... Well, first off, Altmaier is, is cleared to play, and he kind of made it sound like Altmaier will be starting on Saturday at Iowa... It's not official, but a lot of people ran with that, and even ESPN said, oh, Brett Bielema says that Luke Altmaier will be starting this Saturday. Haven't seen anything official on that. I I truly think that Burt might be trying to throw people off the scent. Doesn't mean that Altmaier won't start. He might, but um, I don't know. It's It's an interesting decision because... Bert's thinking probably, you know, if, if you start Altmaier, it's probably more of like a, a future thing where you don't want to lose him. 
you don't want to sink his confidence, that sort of thing. When when we've we've got him for a few years, and he was, it's not like he was playing bad. He was playing really well before he got hurt. But Paddock just completely changes the offense. He literally saved the season. The season was a disaster, and he steps in and wins the last two games with incredible performances. I would personally prefer to ride that wave because he's earned it, I think. And we're Illinois football. Like you gotta you gotta take those chances, you know, like when it's when they're in front of you. We got all of a sudden we're back in a good spot to get to a bowl game. We thought that was dead. And as as Joe's gonna get to in a little bit, there is now a path. A little bit of a path. Joe, you got your treasure map. Little, you got your treasure map. A little bit of a path. You got know, the it's, scroll. It's, it's a narrow path. It's got the scroll. <laughs> it's a narrow path that Bert might have to kind of like squeeze through to like wiggle through that path. But there's a path to Indy. So it'll be interesting to see. Also, word came out from Iowa City today that Cooper DeGene, their All-American cornerback. Yeah. And who I'm... I hate him, but I'm excited to see potentially a white cornerback in the NFL because I don't think there's been one in, like, what, since Jason Seahorn, maybe? That's who came to my mind, Jason Seahorn. <laughs> Jason he played for the Rams. But he, <laughs> that was so Cooper DeGene is by far their best player. He returns punts for them, does everything. Is he going to be a first-rounder, Chefs? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know. Um that was was that a uh, a big banter report or it network was, by the way that I, I that's think where I forgot I first to mention saw in the was, opener was they were big banter was saying that there's rumors coming out but then the guy who covers Iowa can basically confirmed it that he had like some leg injury and he's out for at least the regular season so that yeah. I mean that sucks for Iowa but it makes you got to go a little bit bigger. You got to go Paddock. Then. Paddock made some passes. I've I've never seen watching Illinois yes. in however long I've been. It was like watching Pac-12, you know, quarterbacks. Like receivers are just running open like thirty yards down the field, and he is just delivering the ball. We Who, we've never um, seen an offense like that. So, you know how he? It was just so obvious to me that he has to be the guy when there was two passes. The first one was, um, it was on. It was to Beatty on that out route. Do you guys remember that play? It was an incomplete pass. They called it a catch on the field, and then they ended up reversing it. Do you guys remember yeah. that one? Was that Beattie? it? Was literally, uh, I think so. Right? Wasn't it to? Beattie, to yeah. Yeah. To, was it Beatty? Okay. And I couldn't remember who it was. It literally. Like it, it was such a perfect pass that it was almost, it was because Beatty just had his head turned. It was like the fact oh, that he yeah, almost yeah. caught it was unbelievable, and it like stuck to his chest. It was so perfect. Now I remember the that timing play. was incredible. And then the other one was, um, it not more so this one particular pass, but it was the new receiver that came in to replace Bryant, and that guy had like three catches on the next drive. Yeah, Ashton Holland, which was. Right. Yeah, Hollins, and it's like if Hollins is getting these twenty-yard catches, I mean that's more of a sign that Paddock's. Down. We had like four receivers set their career highs in that game. Yeah. It's it's and and Lunny is com- is calling a completely different game with Paddock. There there was like one screen pass the entire game when that's basically all he runs for Altmaier. He he just doesn't seem to trust him throwing downfield yet. So, yeah, it was it was so much fun watching that game. Our defense was horrible, but it was it was just <laughs> a fun because it was so different from every other game that we've watched. I can't wait to see Johnny against Iowa, though. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. The only the only argument, not argument, but the only other side of the coin I've seen that I I agree with is. With a defense zone defense like Iowa, I think having a, a quarterback that can sneak out and get four or five quick yards, Altmaier brings that more than Paddock. So, but with that said, I mean you ride the hot hand, and like 
I think it's way better to bring Luke into the game. Like, I think his confidence is shot way more if, if you have him play a quarter or two at Iowa. Doesn't play well because no one plays well at Iowa. Yeah. And then he gets yanked. It's better to bring him in over Paddock. Yeah, I agree. If Paddock's struggling. Yeah, yeah I can kind of see I, both I like sides it. of that, though, because I think Paddock is actually better built to, like, come in off. I mean, we've seen him do it already, to come in off the bench and kind of give a spark. Um, yeah. so I, I'd almost rather see Altmaier start and like, if we're going to go that route, see how it goes. And then if it's stagnant in the first half, you, somebody on Twitter said you push the paddock button and you throw him out there. But yeah, I, I get Altmaier's better at running the ball, but he's also more prone to turnovers, I think. So, and like, that's yeah, the one I, well, thing you cannot me. do that's against Iowa, Iowa is turn the ball that's over. That's how Iowa wins. It's the only way you lose. Iowa literally... It's a great point. Iowa, yeah, they end up getting these turnovers or returning a, a kick or something, and then they just slowly choke you out. You yeah. Know? So I I think you got a real paddock. We, we'll see. We were ready for basketball season to start after, what, two, after the Wisconsin loss, and we now have turned uh, our basketball podcast the, into... <laughs> talking about the two Bills. of the top three quarterbacks in the Big Ten West, both happen to be wearing <laughs> the orange and blue. It's just an amazing. It's amazing that that's even the case. It's amazing. The Wisconsin loss, paddock effect, boys. It's amazing. That is that the Wisconsin loss still eats at me. That that one is I, I can't get over. We're controlling our own destiny right now. We got this, Shaps. Who's your plank? My plank. Uh, we ripped on Hawkins enough. My plank. <laughs> Gonna go back to Hawkins. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Step yeah. off of Hawkins, and on the plank, I'm putting the Michigan football program. Oh, uh, I like it. I like it. This needs to be yep. said. Michigan fans, said. the the coaches, the players, the administration, everyone who's connected to Michigan. It's like a cult that they have where they convinced themselves that they are victims <laughs> when they are the ones that cheated and broke the rules. So when the consequences get handed down from breaking the rules, they think, oh my God, it's such an un injustice. We are the victims. We're going to cry and cry and complain <laughs> and fight this thing tooth and nail. We didn't do anything wrong. They, they've actually convinced themselves of this. You got, oh my God, I will never, never get out of my mind the coach, the, is it, is it their oh, offensive the, the coordinator? coordinator? Who, yeah, who that was, was bawling on the sidelines. Acting head coach. Dude, that was so embarrassing. When he that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever witnessed on live television. When he looked into the camera with tears running down his face and said, you know, Coach Harbaugh, this is this is for you. Like Harbaugh did not <laughs> die. For you. Dude, they got off so He's easy. literally Give me a break. the punishment is he he just takes a couple hours I, off on a Saturday. That's the punishment. I just want them. I I want them to leave the Big Ten. I, I'm so sick of it. That the the way that the university responded is just an absolute joke. Like threatening with lawyers and and sending all these whatever whatever they were doing legally is this. It was embarrassing. I, I I can't think of another word for it. It's embarrassing. It was unbelievable. How does your president send that letter to the Big Ten? Basically, just uh, what was it? They there was I, there was some claim. I, I I'm like I'm forgetting what they were <laughs> they were requesting, but whatever it was, isn't there just, a claim? I, I couldn't believe my. Isn't there a claim that Ohio State set the whole thing up or something? Yes. Well, yeah, Dude. they were trying to point the finger back at Ohio State, saying like, "Oh, it's it's a BS investigation," because there was. They claim, I don't know if this is true or not, I didn't want to go that far down the rabbit hole, but like that Ryan Day's brother, it was his right. PI firm. Speaking of conspiracy theories. 
But okay, even if that's true, you guys still cheated and got caught yeah. a million times over. There has to be a punishment. There, there's really no two ways about it. So yeah, the president sends the letter because he knows he has to keep the cult happy. Otherwise, they're going to come after him with the torches. They're an embarrassment to football right now. It's unfortunate because they could have just said, all right, screw it. Like, we know we're better than everyone else. And I get it. They, they can use it as motivation. They should. But to be just so outspoken about it is embarrassing. My former coworker, I, I sent you guys. You guys saw that thread, right? Yeah. That, was that absurd? He was at a Northwestern Ohio State game in 2022 in November. And this guy sitting next to him had his phone out recording the Ohio State sidelines the whole game. And he immediately texts our other coworker who went to Michigan. And I was like, caught Michigan cheating red-handed. And he literally submitted that video to the athletic director at Ohio State, to the president of Ohio State, like two other people at Ohio State, he might have been the person who kicked this whole thing off. <laughs> Literally got a picture, of, a video of this guy recording. And the guy recording was saying some bullshit when he asked that he's like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm an intern for the Lions. I'm doing it for reactions of the players. It's like, give me a break. <laughs> well, how, how absurd is that? <laughs> Caught red-handed. Sounds a lot like the what? January 6th Capitol attack <laughs> when, they got, when they all got caught and went to jail and got... got sentenced uh i think that what i was looking for was they got some like restraining order or something it was like what how does that i i don't understand any of this shit all i know is that michigan thinks that they're the only ones that don't need to follow the rules so we need them bad in indy what i would do to see java p lay into some michigan fans at lucas oil oh my god Joe, the treasure map is yours. All right. Read me the map I'm doing the to Lucas Oil. Good transition, legs. Well done. All right. I, I think these games are for most most part in order starting at, at 11 a.m. Saturday. We've got um, Il Iowa, or no, let's first talk about Iowa. Iowa has the Illini in Nebraska. So Illini this week, Nebraska next week. They have uh, clearly they're they only have two losses. They clearly have to lose both those games. And that's at Nebraska that's last correct, week, right? Correct. And then we've got well, actually, I don't have that information down. Um, I, I think yeah. they are. I, I'm I'm fairly certain they're. At, it is, yeah, because this is Iowa's last home at game, Lincoln. that which is big. So I I don't think the fact that Iowa's only a three point favorite against us, I think Max Iowa would be like a three or four point favorite in that game. Um. So then Wisconsin is a favorite against Nebraska this weekend. Wisconsin's going to win that game. And then we need Wisconsin to lose in Minneapolis against Minnesota. Okay. So I think that's very, that's very possible. possible. And then you got Minnesota. We need Minnesota to also split because they have four losses. So Minnesota would um, lose to Ohio State. They're going to lose to Ohio State this weekend. And then we need them to, to beat Wisconsin. And then Nebraska. Yep. Again, we talked about this already. We need them. They'll lose to Wisconsin this weekend. And then we need them. The big one is we need them to beat Iowa the last week of the season. The Illini, obviously, we need to beat Iowa. We need to beat the the Wildcats, Kitty Cats. And then Northwestern needs to beat Purdue. Um, I, I, I actually, I don't think it matters. Even if they, if they, it, it, their their game against Purdue doesn't matter because regardless, we have to beat them the last. Last game of the year, whether they win or lose against Purdue, so it doesn't really matter. And then if all that happens, which like there's, there's maybe only two of these games in here that that are going to be underdogs where we're we're going to need the underdog to win, and max four points. Yeah. And so, Possibly. Big Ten West. It's a big parlay. Yeah. It's a big parlay. I mean, but it, there's a chance. I think if we beat, I think there's a high probability that we. I think there's a high probability that we go into next week having a chance to win the Big Ten West, along with maybe three other teams. So I think they announced the game a week from Saturday against Northwestern as an afternoon game. And if last time I checked if this is accurate, Iowa plays Nebraska at 11. So it, there is potential that 
Illinois Northwestern, where we'll know if we win and we're in. Can you imagine that? We might have to just emergency get together for that. Game. <laughs> Did I think Northwestern lost to Iowa? So even if Northwestern wins both so games, they would not have the tiebreaker versus Iowa, right? Yeah. The scenario that you laid out that would leave only two. Like that would leave us tied with Iowa, right? Yeah. And we would have the tiebreaker. We would have everyone just two everyone teams. Would have five. Did losses, you look? But us and Iowa, we would each have four. Did you look into any scenarios where there's like a three or four team tie? And do you know how that would shake out? Or does it, it probably all depends, right? Like probably it's unknown at this point. I, th- the, I think the scenario that could happen is Wisconsin, us and Iowa all have. Which is weird though, because we would have been Iowa, lost to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin would have been There's Iowa. a scenario with Nebraska too. There's there's definitely a scenario where, where three three or, or even yeah. maybe four. Um wow. I don't I think we're wow. I, my assumption is we're I think we're screwed in that situation. You think so? I, I think. I'm I, I don't I don't know that to be true. Um, well boys, I don't know. <laughs> I I think there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance we'll be sipping some rum and cokes here at Elmo's. What is it? Three weeks from Saturday? How sweet the, that would the be. The fact that we've had oh, the last yeah. November games the last two years to essentially win the Big Ten, like the Purdue game last year, and then this game. Yeah. Like essentially, if we beat Iowa, I, I think I don't think there's a scenario where we're like completely out of it yet. So the fact that like we're playing for the Big Ten West championship in the you know second to last game of the year two years in a row second to third game of the year two years in a row is incredible even though it's we know how average the big 10 west is but still yeah now or never it's the perfect ending to the big 10 west too totally it is r.i.p all right boys well thanks for joining tonight i know it was a tough one last night we hung in there not the result that we wanted but i think there's good times ahead for this basketball squad we're optimistic about what's going to happen here on the on the gridiron hopefully we'll be having those sticks <laughs> over at elmo's um but thanks for joining tonight boys we'll catch you next week ili and i i and i Yeah, it's time to walk the plank.